This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful, but brief. In this episode, we have Levy Matkins, CEO at Livestreet. Levy, welcome to the Business of Ops podcast. Hey, Art. Thanks for having me. Great. Thank you for coming. Okay. In the heart of any sustainable business is knowing how much money you actually make with each client. When you launch a mobile app project, you hope to sustain this business for years to come, not just months or weeks, right? How do you achieve that? For starters, you absolutely need to know what revenue each of your app users generate for you. Here comes the notion we're going to spend the next half an hour or so, LTV, aka lifetime value. But first, before dissecting the notion of LTV mobile, let's talk about you, Levi. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, sure. So I've got uh, close to 20 years now in digital advertising, about half of that in mobile. Um, kind of got my start uh, in the industry, co-founding a company with my brother while I was still in college. Um, ended up being early buyers of Google AdWords inventory. Um, did that for about five years and I've kind of uh, had roles at a bunch of different companies from really small to really big. I sold ads at MySpace for a while where I got to say we serve one in every seven ad on the internet um, and then landed at Life Street about nine years ago. On a personal note, um, I enjoy reading a bunch and pretty much try to get outside whenever possible. Um, skiing and surfing are kind of two of my favorite activities right now. On a year the digital advertising, that's that's it's the entire universe because I I still can remember what was happening 20 years ago when I was uh, doing a, a search engine optimization and uh, paid a search for some obscure websites back then boy the world was really different back then 20 years ago it sure was yeah okay let uh, tell me about live street what do you guys do sure so live street's a programmatic marketing platform for app developers essentially that's a fancy way of saying a mobile performance dsp um live street got its start i think over 15 years ago now and has been all about testing optimization and ROAS maximization, and that continues to this day. Um, we're laser focused on driving ROI positive media buys, specifically for the world's largest app developers, and primarily for game developers. Over the last six or so years, we've been buying exclusively programmatically, and just about two months ago, released our new platform, Nero, which we're super excited about. Oh, that's that's great. Uh, Fifteen years. That's that's. Uh... So 2022, so 20, like uh, pretty much from the inception of mobile, like from the early yep. days of iPhone, from those days? Yeah, we actually got our start uh, helping uh, Facebook app developers uh, kind of monetize and acquire users. Oh, nice. Okay, let's cover the, the basics. Let's, ter- let's define the term LTV. And how is it different from another acronym beloved by app marketers, ROAS? 
Sure. So starting with LTV, you said it earlier, it's lifetime value. So generally speaking, it's a measurement of how much money a user will generate for an app in a given amount of time. As the name suggests, typically that's the lifetime. Uh, main components that go into LTV are some components trying to capture all the monetization. So that'd be things like in-app purchases, subscription revenue, or ad revenue from showing users ad impressions. And then another component of time or retention. There's different ways to express that via churn or kind of user retention. Um, and then lastly is virality. So how many additional users are referred to the app from that initial user? Um, a common formula ignoring virality is average revenue per user. So that captures the monetization rate times one over your churn rate. Um, and then getting into ROAS, ROAS is you know something we're super familiar with and that's return on ad spend. And that's essentially measuring, you know, if I spend $100 today, how much am I getting back on that $100? And for app marketers, what they end up doing is using that LTV formula to try and calculate a payback period of when they expect to make their money back and then calculate sort of waypoints along the way to see how they're performing against that. So an LTV will help inform an advertiser's targets, which might be something like, hey, I need to make 10% of my ad spend back within the first seven days because my formula suggests that, you know, after 365 days, I'll have made my the entirety of money, my money back and everything beyond that will be profitable. Yeah, and an LTV term, uh, I always was puzzled by the part life, life of an app user. For how many years if he's got, he or she is going to use the app till, um, till she or she retires? Like, we're, we're calculating based on, like, on a, on a time scale of months and years at this point. But I wonder if it would be possible to calculate LTV for, you know, in a decade from now. If I return the user, if I be able to return a user for so many years, but yeah, it's kind of interesting perspective in relation to time, lifetime value. Yeah, definitely, especially when you think of you know titles like Candy Crush that are still going strong, you know, amazing over half a decade later. <laughs> yeah, amazing that it's it's still popular. People still love these colors, and, uh, bright colors on the screen. Uh, now, from both strategical uh oh sorry let's 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 uh talk about the importance of ltv in general so we we've said what it means but let's uh, stress on the significance of this um notion for app markers why do we measure it is it possible to just uh, don't pay attention to ltv and keep rolling with your app business it's certainly possible i can't uh, think of a single successful app developer that does that. Um, I mean, if you think about it, it's it's critical for your business. I mean, it's essentially how much you make from a user. Um, you know, having a good LTV in an app is the difference between success and failure. And, you know, kind of as we're saying, if you can't improve what you don't measure. So it's critical to track and measure LTV. Um, you know, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but it is required to come up with that payback curve. Um, for your marketing campaigns, which does answer those questions of if I've made X amount of money back at a particular point in time, how much will I make over the lifetime of that app? Um, you know, it's certainly, as we've kind of talked about, I've been doing this for a very long time. And I think, you know, 
it's uh, become such a competitive space right now that it's not really possible just to hope for the best when it comes to LTV. Um, and it's really true that only those developers with the most competitive LTVs are really able to scale their marketing campaigns. Want to improve your marketing skills? Know how to fight back mobile fraud? Or how to launch an influencer marketing campaign? You've got it all at the Business of Apps Insights. Opinion, how-tos, thought leadership, and analysis from global app and social media industry. Visit our insights section at businessofapps.com slash insights slash podcast. And now, back to the show. Now, um, is it possible, look, what, what would be the, um, from a strategic or technical point of view, uh, actions uh, of an app developer to acquire users with high LTV, the probability of users that he or she will be acquiring, uh, the probability will be high that the people will be bringing a lot of uh, revenue. Yeah, I mean, from a strategic point of view, I think it really just requires a lot of data and then a commitment to measuring and continuously optimizing. I mean, I think every app out there that's considering their marketing efforts should be working with an MMP to help them measure efficacy of their campaigns. Um, you know, sharing data via that MMP with trusted partners, um, it allows platforms like ourselves and others to build lookalike models for those users. So by leveraging a lookalike model, you can fairly accurately predict the LTV of a new user that you've never seen before based on behavior of similar users that you uh, provide to that platform. Um, it is worth noting though, I think that, you know, LifeStreet's belief is that return on ad spend is the most important thing to optimize for in a successful campaign. Um, you know, by paying the right price for a user allows a campaign to scale more effectively. So an example is, you know, some user may have a $100 LTV in your app, and if you pay $80 for them, that's okay. That's a profitable buy. Yeah. And if a user has, you know, a $1 LTV in that app and you end up paying 50 cents for them, that's also still a profitable buy. So through that lens, you can kind of acquire users at the right price across the different LTV spectrums. Now, you you mentioned the lookalike model. Um, a from your experience, um, starting with the point where you just launched your first user acquisition campaign, uh, roughly speaking, just a ballpark, uh, after what period of time you can actually build a lookalike model to see what is the broader spectrum of your app users? Uh, are we talking about weeks, couple of months? So for an existing app, we actually are doing that before we launch campaigns. So via the MMP, we're okay. looking at unattributed install data and downstream event data to actually build that model so that on launch of the campaign, you're already able to layer on sort of value predictions. Gotcha, gotcha. So you 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 know about the app, like the category, like you can uh, calculate the probability, uh, like not a probability, but uh, how the um, user acquisition campaign will be um, working for that specific app, giving your previous experience of launching campaigns for similar apps before, and what are the user's pool is, is going to be getting uh, the lookalike model will be based on this data. Somewhat. Actually, that lookalike model is based entirely on that title's data. So, oh. and that's, you know, essentially for, it answers the question of, 
given an install, how much revenue do I expect this user to generate? We have other models that answer questions like, given an impression, how likely do I think this impression is going to turn into an install of this app? Um, and those do have a learning curve when you launch a new campaign on the platform. So, you know, despite having an a LTV model or a lookalike model kind of out the gates, it does often take, you know, four to six weeks to really see that optimization take hold. Gotcha. Now let's, let's assume we have an app and um, several user acquisition campaigns are being run and, um, we see that uh, certain users generate um, a certain amount of re revenue. And uh, obviously we would like to increase the amount of revenue we're generating. Uh, how can app marketers increase LTV of that have been generated up by their app users? What can you actually do? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think, whole sort of industries and books based on this kind of stuff. Um, you know, there's, I think the notion of, of testing everything um, and, and working on continuously improving that product. So, you know, put, put in customer experience first, um, you know, optimizing the onboarding flow, uh, better retention mechanisms, things like that. That list is really, really long. Um, but if you're talking about optimizing your marketing and UA strategy, yeah, that you know, it's, it's absolutely worth trying to optimize and understand, are you getting the users in at the top of the funnel that have the highest likelihood of becoming high LTV users for that app? Now, obviously you've seen a lot of uh, app user generation campaigns, um, app, app user acquisition campaigns, sorry. And uh, probably you can pinpoint for me in your experience, uh, what app categories um, that it's really hard or even impossible to measure LTV for users for apps from those categories? Sure. Yeah, I mean, we're pretty fortunate in that we work with, uh, you know, primarily gaming companies, which is actually pretty direct. So things that you can measure um, directly in that app are pretty straightforward. You know, that said, apps with like very sparse events can be really tough to measure LTV and to calculate LTV. Um, apps that drive offline conversions are obviously much more challenging to calculate in LTV. You know, generally speaking, we'd hope that there's some sort of proxy to help measure that, you know, i.e. if you're CarMax or somebody, you might measure, you know, request for test drives instead of actually understanding how many cars you actually sold from a campaign. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that, that said, it, it is just much easier for apps where all of the activity happens and is measurable in the app. Um, it is worth noting, though, I think that there are, you know, not necessarily categorically based, but there are times where LTV curves just change, you know, so... Some of that could be seasonality. I mean, I think we, it's fair to say we've seen a bunch of that during the last couple of years, and I think are seeing it now yeah. sort of, you know, with the pandemic um, or if sort of the economy changes out from under people. It's really important to be looking at that LTV curve and seeing if you need to make adjustments to those predictions, because that's all based, obviously, on historical data. And then if something changes going forward, that really it's critical that that gets accounted for. Now your answer kind of uh, nicely leads me to my next question, which is, as time goes by, do you find it becomes easier or harder to measure LTV for mobile app users? Because you, just like you've said, uh, you know, a couple of years of COVID, uh, I bet so the models that were built before COVID had to be um, 
adapted, adjusted uh, to be able to measure LTV in in and out circumstances when people became, uh, you know, their habits changed, their lifestyle changed, they were forced to work from home, etc. So in your estimate, how does the future looks like for app marketers when it comes to measuring LTV for their users? Yeah, I think, it, you know, it sure looks like it's becoming harder to measure LTV at the user level. I mean, I think you can look at SK Ad Network from Apple. It's just a good example of where, you know, there's a trade-off that's happening. In this case, the platform's making that trade-off, um, you know, of granularity for increased user privacy. I'm sure that this trend is likely to continue, um, both sort of like regulatory pressure and platform pressure. Obviously, Apple has its own motivations there as well. Um, you know, it's, they've certainly hurt Facebook along the way by doing that, which I don't think is an accident. Um, it's it's definitely important to caveat that MMPs, you know, mobile measurement providers, are continuing to work sort of you know with and around in some cases these platforms to give as much insight into user values, sort of despite those restrictions. But you know, on a macro level, I think it's probably pretty safe to say that we're going to be looking a lot more at cohorts versus individual LTVs. And that that's just a thing we'll all have to adapt to. You mentioned iOS. Uh, um, what about Android? Are we, is it better? Is it um, not so, uh, you know, desperate as it was uh, with the uh, uh, iOS 14.5 released uh, last year when people were just uh, really panicking instead of panic? The Android side looks brighter. I would say it does. I mean, we'll still see how that actually gets rolled out. Um, but my suspicion is that will be a lot less uh, of a chaotic transition. Um, iOS 14.5, it was was a whole shock to the industry and, and, and everything. I think we know a little bit more now of how to run campaigns without super granular data in cases. Um, and I also suspect that Google is actually just going to execute that a little bit better than Apple did, but we'll see. They're more cautious with advertising because this is the only uh, money maker for them. Ex exactly. That's for Apple. They yeah. have to be more cautious for sure. Okay. Um, we actually uh, finished the first part of the show and there's the other one where we're not talking about, you know, the major topic at the table, like in the first part. This is the, the kind of a personal touch, uh, and uh, when I'm this part, I'm asking just a few quick questions because I, I do want to let my audience know my guest a little bit better. Here we go. Question number one: What smartphone do you have now, and have you been switching between these two giants or staying one side all the time? I picked my side pretty early on, so I've got a Pixel Six Pro right now. Um, I've been Android exclusively since my, I looked this up earlier, my first HTC Evo 4G. I do use, I mean, I, I'm on a MacBook right now and I certainly use iOS devices for testing and market research and things like that. But as far as my daily use, entirely Android. Gotcha, Android camp. Um, do you remember your first mobile phone, you know, before smartphone era those days? I do. It was a Nokia phone that I got my freshman year of college. I think it was a 5110. Uh, I don't know if everyone remembers, but it's the one with all the customizable faceplates that uh, you know, you'd walk in the mall and see those kiosks selling all those different faceplates face for those phones. I think it probably had Snake on it, but I'm not even sure. Yeah, that's what the that's what's the thing. The the major uh, competitive advantage. Does the phone yeah. have a Snake on it or not? <laughs> 
Uh, okay, uh, back to the present. Imagine you've left your home uh, and forgot your uh, smartphone. It's sitting on your table. What would be the most missing feature for you when you're out? I think it would probably be Google Maps, honestly. I've pretty much offloaded all of my directions in my brain now to my phone with Google Maps. So I might be a little bit lost without it. Second place would probably be WhatsApp, but uh, I think uh, navigation would be my first most missing feature. Yeah, sci-fi writers, uh, uh, futurists are talking about singularity like something in the future. But in fact, you know, smartphones is an extension of our brains these days already. Totally. Now, what new smartphone, uh, what new technologies could be hardware, software, uh, you're thinking about when you're you know, holding your smartphone and, and go like, uh, wouldn't it be great if that thing can do this or that? What is missing? You know, that's a good question. And I don't actually feel like I'm missing too much from my smartphone right now. I do, you know, the trend of foldables to bigger displays is cool. Um, you know, we haven't seen a bunch of strict innovation in the smartphone space i would say in the last uh, number of years it's been pretty iterative um you know that said i make efforts to be pretty deliberate with my time i don't always succeed um but so oftentimes i am sort of looking towards ways of making it a little bit less prominent in my life um you know other sort of like emerging technologies that aren't necessarily app related i am pretty interested in sort of the ar vr ecosystem that's kind of um, bubbling beneath the surface a little bit now and somewhat on the surface and kind of seeing where that goes. And some of that certainly will be mobile related. I mean, we'll wait and see whether, you know, Apple's future mixed reality device will end up using the phone or not. So a lot of exciting stuff happening there. Yeah, just like it was unimaginable of so many people holding a small computer in their pocket uh, all day long before smartphone era and it's hard to imagine what's going to happen next and are we ditching our smartphones in a few years or not because we're not ditching our computers by this point and it's it's really hard to see what's going to happen with smartphone hologram yeah. star wars style you know or not or something not that fancy and funny but just practical right Okay, before I let you go, just a very, very final question. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about you? What do you do? Yeah, happy to chat with people. The easiest way to get in touch with me is probably just to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you can email me directly at levi.matkins at lifestreet.com as well. So happy to, to chat. Terrific. Thank you for coming, Levy. And thanks for your time. Thank you. Awesome. Bye -bye. Thanks, Art. And that was Levi Metkins, CEO at Livestreet. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. We release episodes on Mondays, so subscribe and you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.